coming to you out of the blue from Mason Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast that clings to life despite the inadequacies of the Big Ten Conference. I am Jared Stormer of MazenBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you fledgling sea egret. How the hell are you, my friend? I am doing well, sir. Feels great to be back talking again while the game we chose is almost not worth talking about. But it'll be fun to make jokes about. My goodness, yes. So there is college football, just not the college football that we care about. So we are continuing with our Game Rewind series. Uh, What did you call it last time? Maze in View? Maze in View, sir. I like it. I like it. We're going to have to institute that and put some trademarks out. So uh, in lieu of Michigan football, we're going back and looking at some old Michigan football, some of the classics. Uh, Still no word on whether or not we're going to be playing. And at this point, I'm just not getting my hopes up because the reporting goes back and forth. So we're going to we're going to stay the course. We're going to keep plugging along and no better way to keep this tradition going by talking about the 500th game ever played at the big house. Yes, sir. So last week we went with a really excellent game, a pure classic, great football, 2003 Michigan versus Ohio State. It was really uh, just a master class in football on both sides. So we decided to follow that up with maybe the worst game ever played by two football programs, the 2008 Michigan versus Wisconsin comeback win by the Wolverines, 500th game at the Big House, Rich Rod's third game at Michigan, and huh. I I don't want to curse on air. I'm going to try not to, but after watching this game, it's going to be very difficult. Yeah, it was not fun to watch. Michigan will never play a game this bad again and beat a top 10 team. It just, it's impossible to watch. Wisconsin came into the game ranked number nine. They were three and zero. Michigan one and two. Both teams didn't fare too well after this. Wisconsin finished seven and six and Michigan finished three and nine, which is the worst mark ever. For a Michigan team? Yeah, that is correct, and uh, deservedly so. This was not a very good team. Rich Rod comes in, and if you remember correctly, there were transfers all over on offense. Uh, Ryan Mallett, most notably, who was set to come in after Chad Henney transfers. So we're left with Stephen Threet, who uh, seems like a nice guy. He once uh, commented on one of my posts on Twitter. Seems like a, a heck of a nice guy, but as far as a quarterback, or at least a quarterback trying to run a Rich Rod offense, uh, very much ill-equipped. Yeah, someone needed to like bang on Rich Rod's head and tell him, like, this guy is not Pat White. This offense is not going to work here. You need to change something. But, you no, know, watching Stephen Threat run this offense was a test. Like, it was just a test, like, morally and, like, ethically. Like, can I watch this performance, like, continue? And he stayed in the game the whole time and somehow won. It's it's bizarre. So let's get into this, my man. Um, so let's start with uh, kind of how we did it last time. Who are some of the players of note? Let's start with Michigan offense. Sam McGuffey, the highly touted five-star super highlight reel recruit, comes in, going to make a splash as a freshman, doesn't wear gloves on his hands, which bother me at running back for some reason, and was just not it. Was awful. Couldn't read blocks. Didn't have many blocks to read. Uh, when he did, couldn't make a miss. Every time he got touched, he kind of fell over. Just, you know, it wasn't it for Sam McGuffey at Michigan. No, and I want to spend a minute on McGuffey because if you'll remember, this dude was the hype tape god back in the day. I mean, he was hurtling everyone, and he is an absolute athlete. You said that he was clocked at a 4-3-2? Yep, at his pro day in 2013. 
Yep, and, and uh, in his pro day at 2013, and he's an Olympic bobsledder currently. He uh, has the job that, uh, what was it, Julian from uh, Cool Runnings did? He was the push man. Uh, Senka, wasn't it? No, Senka was Senka's the driver. the brake man. Um, Yul Brenna. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you're right, Julian, good call. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, he, he was an absolute athlete, Sam McGuffey, but just maybe not a Big Ten football player. Didn't have the body for it. Um, and really pretty ineffective in this game, but definitely worth note because man, Michigan fans were all about Sam McGuffey. Uh, <laughs> other players, <laughs> Stephen Threat. Uh, I mean, you have to say because he's the starting quarterback, uh, so that makes him noteworthy. Uh, Roy Roundtree and Junior Hemingway were on the team. You don't see much of them. Uh, a young David Mulk, though, getting run as a freshman uh, and holding up remarkably well on that offensive line, from what I could tell. Yeah, Mulk was one of the few bright spots on that line. <clears throat> And also Brandon Miner at running back and Greg Matthews at receiver. Some names I have not heard in a long, long time. No, those were two names that I remember being high on. And I always like Greg Matthews as a player. Very limited. Um, definitely not going to be one of the Michigan receivers you remember. Uh, he's no Braylon Edwards. But, I mean, he was a serviceable wide receiver. And he stuck around, you know, for the Rich Rod and the Rich Rod era. And, man, they lost so many players when he came in. And it is apparent on this, in this game. So, uh what about on the Wisconsin defense? There's some names there. You walk us through the defense. So the names that you're going to recognize, let's start with the most obvious one, which is J.J. Watt, a converted tight end who was listed as a defensive end for this game. I didn't really see him a lot in this game, though, did you? I didn't either. He didn't flash to me at all. No, not really. But, I mean, that was kind of J.J. Watt. He was a tight end forever, converts to a defensive end, and just becomes an absolute monster. I think his brother switched positions, too, while at Wisconsin. So kind of how they do it in the Watt family, but J.J. Watt is on this team. Peter Kahn's went on to play in the NFL for a while. Um, defensive back Shane Carter led the Big Ten in interceptions the year before, and Casillas, their safety, made some big plays in this game, but not a bunch of huge names on the Wisco defense, really, outside of Watt. But it seems like a <clears throat> classic Wisconsin defense, so a bunch of no names. They all try very hard. The second level, the linebackers are very athletic and get around and fly to the football. And as we talked about offline, Wisconsin football, offensively and defensively, has not changed in 12 years, but yet it's still effective. It's unreal. We're watching this game from 2008, and you could convince me it was the 2018 Wisconsin offense. It is almost the exact same. Limited at quarterback. They want to run the ball. They have a dominant offensive line. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the exact same thing you see now. Very strange, but honestly, kudos to them for making it still work. Paul Chris, the OC in this game, and now the head coach there having – it more success than Brett Bielema. I mean, it's nice to see Brett in this game. <laughs> Our it is. Looks like he just polished off uh, like six or seven turkey legs. Got grease stripping down the side of him. He's got a plate of ribs over there, you know, stacked on the clipboard, but he's there. What did Brett Bielema do to become our favorite object of derision? I have no idea. The guy looks like he knows his way around a snowblower, though. <laughs> Takes pride in that snowblower, son. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that that guy's somewhere like in, in a bar right now, just just serving out some of the best brisket you can imagine. But I feel like he looks at his coach, son's friends and just like tells them, guys, let me tell you how the world works and goes into something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, he's that type of dude. Um, but yeah, Brett Bielma over there calling the exact same exact same offense that you've seen forever. Um, notable players on the Michigan defense, though. There are some studs. I would say the best unit uh, on the field this day might actually be the Michigan defense. It absolutely was the Michigan defense. You can run through several names that stand out. Uh, I, 
I even caught a couple that ended up switching positions, but you have like the Mike Martins of the world, Brandon Graham, Stevie Brown, um, Jonas Mouton. Who else is on there? Um, Jameson, Troy yep. Wolfolk, yep. Donovan uh, Warren. Yep. Other players that recorded tackles in this game more from special teams, Martavius Odoms, Daryl Stoneham, which eventually become contributing receivers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this was still some holdovers from the Lloyd Carr era. A lot of good players here. Not too many Michigan defensive players transferred, I don't remember. So this unit is still strong. you got a bunch of Lloyd Carr guys, and, I mean, they're just coming off a victory over Florida the year before, and you're bringing back a lot of guys. Young Mike Martin, uh, young Brandon Graham, guys like Tim Jamison. Uh, Stevie Brown, underrated. I always loved Stevie Brown. He was one of my favorites. First of all, because that name just rolls off the tongue. It was like a jazz trumpet player or something. We should have done a double feature for contrast from the 07 Capital One Bowl to this game. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll do that for the next one. <laughs> That'd be a good one to go to, bounce back. But how was this team just, you know, a few games before the other one? Like, I get it was a different season, but what happened? What happened? Yeah, so Michigan defense has some studs on it. And uh, finally, notable players on Wisconsin offense. Anybody that stood out to you? Uh, running back P.J. Hill stood out. And he, the guy was getting all the work in the world. The team was just living and dying on his shoulders. Uh, Alan Everidge, quarterback, is not good by any means. <laughs> he's just – he's bad. He missed several open receivers, was never comfortable back there, 20 of 37, 226, but it didn't seem that way at all. And um, who else is on that offense? They had – Zach Brown uh, had Reed. Zach Brown had some rushing attempts. Receivers, there were Gil a uh, Gilreath was a problem. The returner and yep. receiver. Yep, he was a problem. Nick Toon was on that team. He had a touchdown catch. Uh, Gabe Karimi went on to play in the NFL. Might still be in the NFL, honestly. Uh, tight end Lance Kendricks. Yeah, uh, he went into the NFL. He had a great catch in this game. And uh, not a guy that really has a huge impact, but they have a fullback whose last name is Rentmeister. And I just absolutely love that. That man probably lives on nothing but bratwurst and beer. I would be so disappointed if it's pronounced Rentmeester. It, they, I think that's how they did pronounce it, actually, in the broadcast. Let's just ignore that. It didn't happen. I did, I did ignore that, and I am ignoring <laughs> that. Uh, some game notes coming into this one. As you already mentioned, Wisconsin comes in ranked number nine. They're 3-0. and Michigan unranked at 1-2. and uh, Brett Bielma on the sideline. Rich Rod in his third game. 500th game at the big house and the uh, the lights are being constructed in the background during this time. A little uh, preview of what's to come at the big house. Yeah. You could say we were playing in the dark with that metaphor. <laughs> These were the dark ages before the lights were there. These literally were the dark ages. It was pretty rough. Uh, final game. Now coming into this game, Brett Bielma was 19 and 0 with a halftime lead and would go into halftime with a 19 to nothing lead. So uh, also a little foreshadowing there. Let's get into this, my man. Let's talk about the game. Do you want to go quarter by quarter or just kind of do a more general talk? Uh, let's break it down quarter by quarter again with some general talk about each one, and we go through the plays. All right. I like it. Uh, first quarter opens up. Gilreath, first play of the game, brings it back 55 yards, almost fumbles it later on the drive. Uh, fumbles are going to be a recurring theme and turnovers. Uh, missed field goal, though, on that. So they drive all the way down there and were scoreless in the first thing I hate the most in this is I hate the three, three, five defense. I hate it with a passion. Oh I think it's stupid. God. And I was so mad to have to watch it. It is awful. And it would only get worse from here. I mean, our defense was still decent at this point, but the more that they, uh, they buy into that three, three, five and start to switch that the worse it gets. 
Yeah. And another note from the first quarter that mentioned on the broadcast, Michigan is playing with no offensive lineman over 300 pounds. And Stephen Threat finished the quarter with a very impressive 2-for-2, two two, 100% completion percentage, minus 7 yards. <laughs> this game, like like we said at the beginning, there are all sorts of just crazy outliers in this game. That 2-for-2 two for, two for minus 7 yards. What does that make your QBR? I don't even know. Is it a perfect QBR or is it awful? I don't know. I, I have no idea, but this is also the same quarter where John Thompson jumps off sides and prolongs a drive, and they get a field goal out of it. Like, it was like, come it on, it's a fourth down. It was sloppy, sloppy in the first. Uh, there was a play, I think, on our first drive. Stephen Threed attempts to take off at the speed of smell and gets absolutely rocked. Yeah, the he, ball with Thompson. that drove me nuts. He wants to go in there and make contact like he's a middle schooler at a dance and then just falls over. He was not built for that. And he ran in there, like didn't try and slide or anything. And you could see it coming. You're like, this is going to be bad. And lo and behold, Stephen three gets destroyed from three different ways. Fumbles it, sets Wisco up in field position. They settle for three. It's three, nothing. Um, the ensuing kickoff, Michigan special teams fumbles it for the first time. I think they spot how many special teams plays did they fumble three or four? I think it was at least three. Michigan special teams are atrocious in this game. And, uh, I mean, it gets no better. We do nothing in the first quarter. And at one point, four of seven plays had gone for no gain or a loss. <laughs> it's honestly comical watching this. Like, how did this happen? This team looks like they have never been coached before. They learned the offense that week. Nobody knows what they're doing. They're undisciplined. And they're relying on Steve Threat. And Sam McGuffey to lead the way. And it's just not it. And they keep going back to him over and over again. Yeah, they keep going back to the well. And the well is dry. I mean, the well was dry long before this game began. But it it just gets worse and worse. And the first quarter is, I mean, there's really nothing to speak of uh, for the Michigan offense. So we can go to the second quarter. But let's first take a quick break. We'll come back, finish this masterpiece in nonsense that is the 08 Michigan-Wisconsin game right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are mercilessly breaking down the 2008 Michigan-Wisconsin game. Just got through the first quarter. Uh, end of the first quarter, it is 6-0 Wisconsin, and Michigan looks like maybe the worst team that's ever been on a football field, ever. It's arguably the worst Michigan team I've ever seen, and I don't know what team you'd argue it against. This was just it's embarrassing to watch. It's this or uh, Hoke's final year. 
I would take that hoax final year team minus 10 against this team. Easily. Yeah, they would beat the brakes off of that team. Now, this defense is is solid, as we said. So as we get into the second quarter, honestly, it should have been a lot worse. Uh, But because of the Michigan defense, they keep us in this. So uh, second quarter, Zoltan Mesco is the best Michigan offense up to this point. And let's spend a minute on Zoltan Mesco. Uh, Maybe the best name to ever come through Michigan. Absolutely. An absolute unit. He has eight punts in this game for 348 yards. Averaged almost 44 yards a punt. Knocked a 53-yarder in there. The best weapon on the offense the entire game. Which is bizarre, but yes, it it was Zoltan Mesco. And uh, gosh, I just love saying that name. Who decided to name their child in America Zoltan? That is the name of an alien space captain. I was gonna say, well, he is. He's from like a long line of emperors from like like a third planet, a third moon of Mars or something. Came down here to rule us with his punting leg. <laughs> That's the only thing that makes even a little sense. Yeah, nothing else. Is, like, all right, last name's Mesco. Let me think here. Uh, Adam, uh, Charles, uh, Zoltan. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Zoltan Mesco is the best player on the field up to this point. Um, but to be honest, uh, Wisconsin having trouble getting anything going. They can't really get it into the end zone. Michigan pretty, pretty tough in the red zone. They get a huge turnover from Charles Stewart on a deflection. Um, it's feels like at this point, the Michigan defense is good despite the coaching, not because of it. Like it's just leftover from Lloyd Carr and these guys are not even listening to the coaches and like, no, 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 we remember how to play defense. Don't listen to anything they say. Here are three stats to back up your point about the Michigan defense doing more than they needed to do. Michigan's offense had 19 total yards halfway through the second quarter. Michigan was averaging 1.1 yard per play in the second quarter. The, the first time Michigan got the ball in Wisconsin territory was because of a fumble that the Michigan defense caused in the second quarter. Yes, that would be Stevie Brown, underrated name on the team. And one of my he was one of my favorites. I don't know why I love Stevie Brown so much. Maybe it was just because of the name, but real solid safety for Michigan. Yeah, I mean, he got the ball in Wisconsin territory. Stephen Threat couldn't do that, for God's sakes. No, he could not. But um, yeah, so the defense is rising up in the second quarter, but the, the offense remains unwatchable. Stephen Threat attempts a pitch to McGuffey while being eaten alive, uh, nearly turns it over again. Uh, Michigan punts again. And uh, punts and the defense, Jamison, Graham, Mouton, they stuff P.J. Hill and John Clay on the next drive, which is kind of just the story of this game. Yeah, it's stopping Michigan running backs, and they have a semi-competent quarterback that could make plays. This is exactly what happened in 2016 when we beat them 14-7. to Like we were saying, the, the team hasn't really changed their game plan, so the game plan to beat them hasn't really changed. It was the exact same in this game. Shut down P.J. Hill and make their extremely limited quarterback beat you. Yeah, it's not rocket science here. It's not like you're playing Ohio State and there's some complex like route schemes and everything else with who the quarterback's reading and three different fakes. No, Wisconsin's like, we're going to run the ball, and we can't do that. We hope our quarterback can throw it, which he may not be able to do. No, because other than Russell Wilson, they've never really had one. Um, so they stuff, they stuff P.J. Hill and John Clay, force another punt to Greg Matthews, fumbles the punt return for another turnover. Uh, special teams at this point looks like the worst unit on the field. Special teams was... It's hard to well, imagine, Zoltan, but yeah, besides Zoltan, everybody else, all the returns were terrible and everything was awful. And we take for granted how good Michigan special teams are now because man, they were just 
atrocious. They were abominable in this game. Like they couldn't even get a guy to catch the ball, let alone turn it upfield, make a return. They're dropping it all over. They tried a bunch of different returners in this game. Um, they even put like Donovan Warren back there, who at this point was like a junior or a senior. Uh, even he had trouble with it. So it was bad. As bad as the offense was, the special teams may have been worse. Um, so Wisconsin takes the the ball over there after the fumble. Uh, J- John Clay rumbles for 30 yards, sets up PJ Hill for the first touchdown of the day. It's 13, nothing at this point. It's getting bad. Fans are getting antsy airs getting sucked out of the stadium. I had to double check that we won this game while watching this. I'm like, we don't get blown out like 38 to nothing, right? Yeah. You would think because the next play is a kickoff to Morgan Trent who fumbles it again. That's another turnover on back-to-back Michigan touches. It doesn't even make sense at this point how you can be that bad at catching a a football. I mean, I'm not in any way athletic, but I feel like if you kicked a football at me and I got to settle under it, I'd probably catch it. (laughs) I'd bet on you. You'd make this catch, and then Wisconsin tacks on a field goal, 16-0. Yep, Michigan gets it back. uh, Three and out for the fourth time in a row when Michigan gets it back. So that's four in a row that they go three and out. It's unwatchable. The fans are are, they're getting antsy, um, noticeably and uh, deservedly so. Uh, next Michigan possession after the three and out, Stephen three throws a pick to Shane Carter. And at this point, it's the worst team I've ever seen. I mean, watching it at this game, you're like, there is no way this team could ever beat anybody. UTEP would score 50 on them. Yeah, because he throws that pick with like 40 seconds to go in the first half. And it's like, oh, the clock's going to run. Nope, nope, they're going to score again. And they do. It's 19 to nothing. And now listen, I'm never for booing college players, but I am for booing college coaches. And they deserved it in this one. They did. And actually, uh, it could have been much worse because, yeah, there's that interception. They go up 19 now Uh, with four seconds left, though. Another awful interception. One of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. And it almost goes the distance and puts the game completely out of reach. Four seconds left. I think Stephen three had to make the tackle and time expires, but could have easily been 26 nothing going into the half. It was it was the most embarrassing Michigan half I've ever seen. Like Alabama, we got blown out in 2012, whenever it was any other time. No, this half is just almost unwatchable. It's bad. And they get booed going into uh, halftime. They come out uh, third quarter and they start to play a little bit better. Uh, they get their second first down of the day and the crowd erupts. Uh, it's And then it's one good play, three bad ones and a punt. Zoltan Mesco really uh, working the hip flexors. <laughs> On the broadcast, they said Michigan's punter is going to need a hip replacement surgery from all the work he's gotten today. I caught it. Yeah, that was that was glorious. It was a good call on this game. Um, who was it? it was uh, Nestler was on the call. It was good. Uh, I enjoyed listening to that. Uh, but Michigan defense, once again, Wisconsin with chances to put this game out of reach cannot because Michigan defense is just stuffing them. The front seven led by Jamison, Graham, Mouton. I mean, they're just keeping Michigan in striking distance. And then with about six minutes left in the third, Michigan puts together a drive primarily through the air. Three to Greg Matthews uh, sets up three to Kevin Coger, a young Kevin Coger for 26 yards and a touchdown. It's 19-7 Wisconsin leads. Before that touchdown, quick Stephen Threat update. Steve Threat was four of 12 for seven yards with two picks. <laughs> And right before that touchdown as well, with 5.46 to go in the third, Michigan's average third down distance to go was nine and a half yards. (laughs) That doesn't even seem possible. If I'm calling the offense just with whoever you give me, we're going to be able to fall forward for more than a a foot and a half. We could play offense with uh, Chris Evans and Carlo Kemp in the backfield and do better than this. 
Guaranteed, I'm getting more than a foot and a half. (laughs) That's absurd. So third quarter, it's somehow 19 to 7. Stephen Threed is awful. Defense is keeping us in it. No offense, Stephen Threed, if you ever happen to hear this. (laughs) I I doubt it. But then again, he responded to a tweet one time about him. So you never know what he's up to these days. I'll make sure Um, I tag him in the back end. Yeah, there you go. Please do. (laughs) Fourth quarter, we're going into the fourth here. Uh, Threed update. He is 9 for 24 for 63 yards, two interceptions, one touchdown, and a fumble that was recovered by Michigan. It's not good, folks. Um, (laughs) Start of the fourth, Threed misses a wide-open Greg Matthews streaking down the sideline. It would have been like a 75-yard touchdown. Just overthrew him a little bit. Matthews lays out for it. No fault of his own, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, just the quarterback play wasn't there. (laughs) <laughs> that's a nice way of saying that the quarterback was. play wasn't there you think there wasn't yeah. a quarterback on the field for michigan uh, that part was nice but we haven't been nice the rest of the podcast so <laughs> that's a fair point again steve three i'm sorry but we're just speaking facts here uh yeah, yeah that was a bad miss uh, credit to greg man he did everything he could in this game to help this michigan team yeah i like greg matthews he was a solid receiver for us and um when the ball was catchable he did what he could but that one was a little long for him uh once again michigan defense stands up uh wisconsin can't get anything going in the second half at one point um well we'll we'll wait until after this drive that we describe here they start tossing it all over michigan does trying to come back uh they draw a fortuitous roughing the passer call on another third and long which sets up brandon minor 34 yard rushing touchdown probably the best offensive play of the day you can make an argument for it brandon minor looks like the best tailback though looks like the only real tailback michigan has it's 1914 and the crowd is back into it it sounds great in the big house yeah brandon minor was the best tailback on the field the entire game for michigan but they kept just trying to feed sam mcguffey feed the talented freshman no feed the guy that's producing this is when like you get starry-eyed or hung up on practice what who who did what there who does what in the game? That's all that matters. And Brandon Miner came out, had a great run. I, I probably rewatched that play three or four times because it was something positive for once. Yeah, absolutely. And there could be some of that Rich Rod really wanting to get his guys in there. Uh, Brandon Miner being a holdout from the Lloyd Carr era, but he was the better tailback and should have been getting more run in this game. Uh, next play from scrimmage after that touchdown, it is a tipped ball into the hands of John Thompson, who is a caravan of extremely large men that lead him back to the end zone. They attempt a two-point conversion, but Stephen Threat thinks he's Denard Robinson. Uh, it's 20-19 to 19 Michigan. Stephen Threat attempts to change direction a few times in this game, and it's kind of hilarious. He doesn't even throw the damn ball up. He just holds it. <laughs> he holds it, and he tries to make this cut as though he were athletic, and it is like the worst cut. <laughs> like he completely comes to a stop, makes this cut a few seconds pass a light breeze whips through the stadium. Uh, programs are being handed out. A man buys a hot dog and then he cuts back the other direction and just gets absolutely annihilated. God, it's like, I didn't know you had metal legs, Steve three Oscar Pistorius playing quarterback. Like, what are you doing? Just throw the damn ball. Pistorius would have been chopping up the field with them legs. Are you kidding me? That's Stephen, <laughs> Stephen three as is as mobile as the statue of David. <laughs> it, it, it's bad but uh it's 2019 michigan somehow somehow it is 20 to 19 michigan uh d-line stands tall again tim jameson was a beast uh he might not get the award for player of the game but he's right up there he uh he had a great game in this one uh and he i remember him being a stud i don't remember if he ever really had much of an nfl career to speak of but he was a beast he was all over the tape on this one on rewatch the michigan front seven just really impressed me in this game was what they had to work with because i mean they completely took out pj hill forced the ball into their quarterback's hands 
And granted, it's hard to stand on your head the entire game when your offense is so flaccid. <laughs> flaccid is a good description of this offense. And that's saying something because we're over here watching the Michigan offense and uh, the Wisconsin offense, while better, is quite flaccid. Yes. <laughs> So uh, D-line stands tall, shuts down the rushing attack. Michigan gets the ball back, and I believe it's the first play or second play on the next drive, a very familiar play that you're going to see a lot of over the next four years. Uh, Steven Threat goes 58 yards on the quarterback option. Uh, maybe the only the, the only time he keeps it in these QB options, uh, which you'll start to see a lot more of, um, especially recently. Um, but it, it was a great read to pull it. Um, Sam McGuffey goes wide. He goes 58 yards through the seam. And that sets us up for uh, for Sam McGuffey to get in for six. The wonder kid. <laughs> the wonder kid. You had no idea <laughs> we had Lamar Jackson light on this team, baby. Mm-hmm. 15 yards rumbling, bumbling down the sideline. Oh, that was hard. That was hard to watch. Yeah, yeah, that that was. I mean, it was some bumbling. Stephen Three gets going, but I mean, if you get past the second level, it's it's tough to get angles. And Stephen Three is probably faster than me. Um, I mean, and that's that's really saying something. But <laughs> no, I, I will race Steve. Steve Three, where are you at? I will race you. All right, I will definitely pay whatever the pay per view costs to watch you race Stephen Three. Cause people. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a horse in there too, just to make it interesting. <laughs> Andy versus Stephen Three and a horse. So what we do? We don't have Michigan football. We just set up races, you know, <laughs> interspecies races with Steve Three and a horse. <laughs> Look, give me something. I don't care what it is. I will pay have money it. for it. <laughs> but anyway, Sam McGuffey gets, I don't know if this was his first score of the year or not. I didn't look back at the other awful games that Michigan played in 2008, <laughs> uh, but he goes in for six. It's 27, 19 Michigan. And at this point, Wisconsin has 50 yards in the second half compared to Michigan's 250. And I don't know what's going on. No, it makes no sense. We have the lead by eight points. I'm like, hold on. We do. We're winning the game. Like, I feel, it makes no sense. Like it's Zoolander. Who's winning the match. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Oh, man. So four minutes left. Wisco puts a drive together. They're mostly through the air at this point there. They've given up on the running game uh, with time running down uh, They're They're down. They get it in. Uh, they move down the field. Couple questionable plays there, uh, particularly what looked like an incomplete pass ruled as a complete pass. They get the drive going. Uh, they get it in. They score a touchdown and need to go for two. Oh, actually, excuse me. Excuse me. I am. Uh, I am. I am. I am getting this out of order. First, Brandon Graham will get to sing his song if you want to walk us through that. Yeah, so Wisconsin gets the ball down to the Michigan 8. Looks like a score is inevitable. Boom. Brandon Graham forced fumble with under two minutes to go. Huge play. Michigan gets the ball back, does nothing with it again. Punts the ball on the very first play of Wisconsin's hopeful game-tying drive. Another Brandon Graham sack to set the tone. Back-to-back sacks on back-to-back plays. Going back to that play on the eight-yard line, Brandon Graham with the best pass rush of the day by far gets low on the edge with that Josh Uche bend, uh, forces the fumble coming around, looks like an absolute terror, just a preview of what's to come with Brandon Graham, who looks like the best player on the field. Um, Wisco, though, at the end, uh, Michigan tries to run three straight running plays, but Wisconsin had kept all three timeouts. I will say the only coaching decision I agreed with from Rich Rod all day was to run the ball three times there and put that put the ball in the hands of the defense to win it because you do not want Stephen Three throwing anything at this point. No, I, <laughs> you don't even want Stephen Three trying to throw the game because that would be intercepted. <laughs> 
don't want them throwing in the towel. No, no, we'll do that. Wouldn't make it past the sideline. So, yes, the best coaching call of the of the entire day was to just run the ball three times and punt it and let the defense carry us home. That was, but the defense does not carry us home. Next play, however, Brandon Graham, another sack, back-to-back plays. Once again, just asserting himself as the best player on the field. Um, Everidge, the uh, the quarterback for Wisconsin, having a rough, rough day. I mean, he was getting brutalized by Brandon Graham, Jonas Mouton, Stevie Brown laid some wood on him. Uh, beast mode for the, the Michigan defense here late in the game. Everidge responds, though, drives them down and scores with 13 seconds left on the clock. It's Travis Beckham for the two-point conversion. It's 27-27, but there's an ineligible receiver downfield five-yard penalty, and they retry the down. And then Everidge remembers he's not a very good quarterback, throws it out of the back of the end zone. That is game for the second biggest comeback in Michigan history, 27-25. to 25. And we beat a top-10 ranked team with Steve Threat. Final update, going 12 for 31, 96 yards. For you at home, that's 3.1 yards per attempt. <laughs> For completed attempt, averages 0.8 total per attempt, one tutty, two picks. <laughs> <laughs> and put the ball on the ground on a fumble. And uh, yeah, rough day. Oh, he was our leading rusher too, though. Let's not let's not leave that out. Yeah, don't sleep on that, Steve Three, the running threat here. <laughs> Led Michigan with 89 yards. He averaged more rushing with 9.9 per carry than he did passing. It's unbelievable. And Stephen Threat, as we said, is as mobile as my desk. <laughs> Stephen Threat, with a good running start, can beat a table in a race. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so it was uh, – I'm so glad we went from that last game to this one because I was just cracking up watching this this whole time. And it was good because, like – Michigan will never be this bad again, or at least we shouldn't. I'm knocking on on my desk right now, but this was the worst Michigan team that I've ever seen. It's embarrassing to watch. I'm surprised they won three games. I can't believe they won this one when they had no business to do such things. Just weird, man. No team, no, I'll safely say without even knocking on wood, no Michigan team will be this bad again. Like That was just awful, terrible to watch, and they won. They did, and uh, I think the reason they were so terrible was all on the offense, all on the coaching. Um, they Brad Nessler made a call earlier in the game. He's like, "This is like watching an offense that has training wheels on," and I was like, "Yeah, that uh, that that about that about sets it up because you're trying to put in this new system, and I don't know how we ever went for this. I mean, because it would have been three years before you would ever have a chance to be good going this route, completely changing up." Everything that you're trying to do, going small on the offensive line, going to a three-three-five on defense, recruiting a bunch of tiny, tiny dudes that are kind of quick to play in the Big Ten. I don't know how I ever got sold on this as something that would work with Rich Rod in Michigan. Everybody was so high because Rich Rod was a Pat McAfee missed field goal away from going to the national championship the year before. And everyone was so high on it. This is how they're going to do it. They're going to... They're going to come here, come to Michigan, uh, take over for Lloyd Carr. But no, like the change was way too dramatic at the time. Didn't have the personnel. And it's funny, though, how Lloyd Carr's former players, the ones that get it done here. And it's Rich Rod's former players that really get it done for Brady Hoke his first year. Ah, see, I don't don't know about that because the guys that I really remember are Mike Martin, David Molk. Denard Robinson. Denard Robinson, yes. (laughs) Yes, Denard Robinson. Junior Hemingway. Yes, yes. But I mean, Mike Martin and David Mulk were the heart and soul of that team. 
They we were, but they, but he also ran Rich Rod's offense pretty much with Denard Robinson and his pieces. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm I, not a Rich I, Rod I, defender by any means. No, but he did bring us Denard Robinson, and I'm all right with that. One of my all time favorites. So that is Rich Rod's legacy. But uh, all right, man, you want to do some awards for this thing? If there, here we go. Here we go. All right, I'm gonna throw some at you. If you have any nominees, please send them my way. Let's start with Mason Who, the Unsung Hero Award. Well, there's not too many options. I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you okay. Greg Matthews for all the work he put in at receiver with a lot of balls not to be able to work with. Yeah. And Brandon Miner. Yeah, Brandon Miner. Um, I mean, th- those guys, I won't necessarily say unsung. Brandon Miner had one of the biggest plays of the game. I would throw a guy in there, maybe somebody on defense, um, like Stevie Brown or Jonas Mouton. Uh, Mouton's name gets called quite a bit. Um, what about maybe Terrence Taylor in there? He had a couple big plays. I think he had um, eight tackles. Eight tackles. Didn't Ooh. he recover that fumble? No, it was Johnson. And Charles uh, Charles Stewart would be a good one too. Four tackles and a pick. Yeah, Charles Stewart with a big pick. I'd probably go somebody on the defense. I think the defense had a better all-around day, and a lot of guys contributed in in some way, shape, or form. So I would go with maybe Charles Stewart or one of the unheralded offensive lineman um maybe uh terrence taylor or tim jameson yeah i'll i like charles stewart charles stewart's good or uh stevie brown he forced that fumble didn't he yes or no uh uh, they didn't credit it to him they credited brandon i mean brandon graham's not unsung he was credited with two forced fumbles what an animal i believe yeah i watched that but it looked like stevie brown forced the one fumble to me it looked like it looked like number six got in there yeah we'll give it to charles stewart though Okay, yeah, I'm fine with that. What else you got? All right, favorite player sequence. Threet's first touchdown pass to Kevin Coger just because it felt like a relief that uh, touchdowns yeah. do exist. Uh, yep. Brandon Miner for the first touchdown, and then immediately into the Josh Thompson pick six. So Brandon Miner goes for 34 yards in the touchdown. The very next play, Josh Thompson's pick six. And then that's your winner. That right has to there. be the winner. The other one's only is Threet's 58-yard rush. Uh, or you could go with Brandon Graham, um, sack, force fumble. That's it. The, the sacks back to back. But I think it has to be Brandon Miner than the pick six. Yeah, it is. That completely swung the game, took all the wind out of Wisconsin's sails. So I would say that one wins it running away. All right. The Thomas Edward Patrick Brady Jr. Award for excellence. We have, we have two nominees. That's it. Yeah. That is it. <laughs> it is Brandon Graham who's going to win it. And out of respect, Zoltan Mesko. Zoltan, Zoltan. I do, I do love Zoltan, but it's Brandon Graham. I would say there's, there's some, there's two other nominees that aren't just the player. Uh, one would be just the entire front seven in this game was Fair. excellent. Fair. Uh, Tim Jamison, Brandon Graham, all those guys. Uh, Jonas Mouton, Obi Ize had a pretty good game. Um, so that would be one. Or Lloyd Carr for leaving the cupboard stocked enough to have a defense. Thank you, Lloyd. We appreciate you so much. I miss you most days. Thank you. Yes. I, I mean, even though at the end I was uh, I was at the Appalachian State game yelling that he needed to take the catheter out of his neck, but I was, I was still a fan of Lloyd Carr when it's all said and done. But uh, We've all made mistakes. We're not proud of everything we've done. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, I didn't know how bad things could get, so I apologize, Lloyd, but uh, the winner for excellence in this is without a doubt uh, Brandon Graham. Yeah. He, he was the best player on the field. I would say, well, JJ Watt was probably the best player on the field, but not this day. No. All right. My favorite category for this game. I wish I could nominate the entire game, the bonehead moment of the game. I have five nominees. 
Fifth year senior, John Thompson jumping way off sides on fourth and one. This guy jumped over the pile, like just jumped over it. With contact. Yeah, that was pretty bad. That was early on in the game. Uh, he makes up for it later in the game, though. With the pick six, he does. He bounces back. Um, we talked about this once, but it had to be a nominee. Three awkwardly making contact, running into somebody, and then just fumbling the football. Uh, Steven Three thinking that he could just charge into a bunch of linebackers and defensive linemen, uh, standing completely upright. Uh, really dumb, first of all, because I'm surprised he didn't break every bone in his body. Second of all, you're not Cam Newton. <laughs> this ain't prep school, homie. Yeah, <laughs> pretty bad. Next one, three not throwing the ball up on a two-point conversion and just falling over. Not, yeah, what, that's not what you want. No, is that the one where he tried to make the cut and it yes. took like six minutes from when he planted to when he t- changed directions? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's pretty bad. The man has really slow hips. Um, <laughs> Rich Rod riding McGuffey over Brandon Miner. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Uh, all right. What's the last one? The winner. Wisconsin ineligible receiver downfield on the game tying two point conversion. It's got to be that one because Wisconsin had no business losing this game. More than Michigan won this, Wisconsin lost this. And uh, that one was a big one. I mean, that would have tied the game and we were not built for overtime. No, this game was not a contest of who can win. It was who can lose first. And both teams went back and forth for a while, but Wisconsin ultimately found the way in the end. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I will give you one more. Uh, category here and that is the zoltan mesco award for excellence in name i've got a few options for you zoltan mesco (laughs) ubicar sasako stevie brown or rentmeister i mean i feel like i have to go with zoltan for which the award is named (laughs) fred bolitnikoff not winning the bolitnikoff award like what the hell guys Uh, but there's what was the second name you said Bubakar Sasako. Yeah, any other name, any other day, that's the winner. That is fan Bubakar, absolutely. What about yeah. Obeze? Obeze is pretty strong, but I mean, I like Stevie Brown more than that. He's like a jazz pianist. But I that, like it. That's almost like Obeze, though. It's Obeze. Oh, that is nice. It's smooth. It's smooth, but it is the Zoltan Mesco Award for Excellence in Names. So, as you said, it, it has to go to him. It's his title to defend. We're going to keep this category moving forward. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Maybe the best name in Michigan history. I'd have to really go back and look and see who else we got. Slept on name is honestly Jake Butt. Like, come on. The guy, <laughs> <laughs> like, pretty straightforward vanilla. But the way he gets over Butt and the Twitter handle is Jay Booty. Come on. Yeah. It'd almost be funnier if his name were even more simple, like Ted Butt or <laughs> Tim Butt. But, yeah. Name's Bill. Bill Butt. Bill Butt. <laughs> Yeah, I, and I, you know I love Jay Booty. We always stand for Jay Booty on this podcast. If you have any names we've missed out, please nominate them. Just tag Jared on Twitter. I'm sure there's some names from like the 60s or 70s that we just don't know that were probably killers. But yeah, now, I mean, I don't know who's taking the award if we get a season this year, but Osman Savage is certainly right up there. Osman Savage has to be in consideration. What? A, oh, man. Oh, I, I, I remember Michigan football. Yes. Ah, maybe one day we'll get to talk about current players, my friend. Uh, we'll see. They were supposed to be a vote today. I think that it's all just nonsense at this point. No one knows what's happening, but we'll be here talking about all this older nonsense until the current nonsense is cleared up because that's what we have on our plate. That we do. And thankfully, our next game lined up, I believe, is the 2007 Capital One Bowl. 
yes, I think that we should do that unless John Jansen steals our idea and goes with that one next. But he knows we started this first, Mr. Jansen. I'm a huge fan, though. So Yeah, yeah, big fan, but you saw who put it out first last week, John. You see that. <laughs> yeah, and he'll probably do, like, the great games, the actual classics. We're coming at you with, like, 2013 Illinois-Michigan, which had, like, 150 <laughs> points. We're going 2015 Indiana, where it goes triple overtime, and it's just all offense while our defense is getting mauled for three bills on the ground. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to look at some of the less heralded games. So, yeah, Capital One Bowl next week. I love it. I'm definitely down for that one, my friend. Can't wait to watch that one, man. Nothing can be worse than watching the first half of this game. I would rather watch Suicide Squad again than watch the first half of this game again. Yes, and next week we get to watch Tim Tebow get planted in the ground and Urban Meyer's heart palpitations really start to show up on field. God, Tim Tebow's only bowl loss in his Heisman Trophy season. I love it. Can't wait, sir. All right, that's going to do it for us on Out of the Blue. Uh, make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, uh, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and more. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Brew. Uh, I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.